and is really here and wants to work in our lives. But he's not just for us, is he? It's not just about us. It's about all the world. For God so loved the whole world that on Christmas, Jesus came. God sent his one and only son. And we want to share that message with others. And one of the greatest times of year to share that message is during Christmas season. More people are open to you saying something about God than any other time. I recognize that Easter time, we, He is risen, you know, but not everybody is in the Easter or celebrates that way, but almost everybody thinks of Christmas in some way. And it's a great opportunity to speak to them, to share with them, but also to be able to invite them to come with you. So I really want to encourage you uh, to do that. And one of the ways we encourage you is we made an investment uh, on in uh, these little cards that you'll see as you leave here this morning. The ushers will be at the doors with these cards. And as you open up the envelope, you find this card that says uh, uh, Merry Christmas with joy on it. And there's a, a little something about kind of the Christmas season about joy and a little something you can uh, give to someone. And on the very back, it says, I hope you can join me. I'll save a place for you. And on the back is a place for you to put your name and just inviting them to come along and, say, and you know, kind of sign it and uh, put your name, your contact, maybe a phone number or something there. These are not just something to put in an envelope to mail, which you can, but people that you run into, the people that you work with, people uh, down the block uh, in your neighborhood, uh, all along. And so as you leave here today, uh, those these will be available. Don't feel like just take one. You feel like I, I can I could send 10 of these. I mean, take 10 of these. Uh, I just want you to use them and to actually be able to then uh, go and to invite people to give these out. Uh, it's just a, a great way between now and, and it does um, mention here about Sundays at 1030 and on the back it says our Christmas Eve candlelight service is at 7. So that all that information is here. In fact, some of you may be wondering, how exactly do I invite someone? And maybe you've tried and you're just not sure. So we've got an instructional video here to show you. You can do this, man. No, I can't. Yes, you can. It's just church. You can invite him. Just do it. What's the worst that could happen? Hey, Roger. You want to go to church with me and my family this Christmas? If there were a couple of losers, they'll have plans on Christmas. Why don't you try and make me? Humbug! Christmas a humbug? Surely you don't mean that. I do mean that. In fact, every nitwit that runs about with the phrase Merry Christmas on his lips should be run over by a tractor and buried with a stick of holly through his heart! Okay, come on, come on. Seriously, you've got to snap out of this. Just invite him. Oh, but what if I say the wrong thing? Listen, I know you don't have a life, so... Man, it seems like you don't get out much. I'm betting you don't have a lot of friends, right? Man, you are wildly unpopular. Hey, Roger! <laughs> What's wrong with you? 
I have a heart condition. Oh, oh great. I don't have a pulse. Okay, now that that's out of your system, quit being silly. There's nothing to be afraid of. Hey, Roger. Oh, hey, Paul. It's looking good. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's getting there. What's up, man? Well, I, I don't know if you have any plans or not yet, but Christine and the kids and I, well, we would love it if you came to our Christmas service at our church. Oh, wow. Uh, uh actually, we were planning on attending somewhere. We just we hadn't decided where. Yeah, I, I guess that'd be fine. Uh, yeah, man, that sounds great. <laughs> So there you go. Invite. What's the worst that could happen? You know, give that opportunity and we'll look forward to seeing many new faces, not only here, but the hope is ultimately we want to see many new faces in heaven someday with the Lord Jesus. If you would turn, uh, children may be dismissed Children's Church, and if you would turn to Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, and we'll begin reading in verse 26 this day. In the sixth month, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, the town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. And you will be with child. And give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of God. The son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I'm a virgin, the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. We'll stop there. We're going to be reading beyond that in a number of other places. I encourage you to keep your Bibles open. But first, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this morning and chance to be together with your people and a special gathering with you. Lord, there are those that can't be with us. We ask that you would watch over them. Some um, that are struggling with sickness. We know even those within our midst that that are walking through the valley where shadow is cast. The shadow of death is cast upon them and their family. We pray your comfort. We think especially of Wendy, our uh, our church secretary, and all that she's been going through, and now uh, finding herself at in the ICU at, at the hospital. And uh, Lord, we pray that you would meet her, that you would give the doctors wisdom to figure out exactly what's going on. And we know initially it looked uh, it was a serious thing, and. and it may be that uh, you're moving in such a way that uh, it still is, is something that needs taken care of. 
And so we pray your hand would be upon her, that you would be her healer in all of this. We pray today as as their goal is to uh, just give her rest, uh, to have her rest there and to be uh, allow her body and you to work healing in her, that it would be a great day of, of rest in that and rest in you, uh, for both her and Dan. Lord, as we look at your word this day, um, I pray that you would help us to see not just something new, but to see you and to see how you want us to live our lives. And, and in, the, in the midst of Christmas that for many is crazy and not that great even, that you would break through this morning, not just in our heads, but in our hearts, and that we could be changed by you. Pour out your spirit upon us. Help me to speak your words. Anoint me to say what you want. But Lord, I thank you that you can anoint our ears, our very hearts to hear what you want this day. That may not only be for us, but for someone that we're going to meet this week that you're going to bring across our path. That we may be able to share with them your good news of joy. In your name we pray. Amen. Have you heard the uh, story before about every who in Whoville like Christmas a lot? But the Grinch who lived just north of Whoville did not. The Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Please, now please don't ask why. No one knows the reason. It goes on and says, they're hanging stockings, he snarled with a sneer. Tomorrow is Christmas, it's practically here. Then he growled with his Grinch fingers nervously drumming. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. And we know as the story goes on, it's not just about the toys. In fact, he says, oh, the noise, the noise, 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 the shrieks, the squeals, and all that's going on. And he, he lists through that, and then I'll do something, and then they'll do something I hate the most. Every who and who, feel tall and small, they'll stand close together with Christmas bells ringing. They'll stand hand in hand. Those who's will start singing. And they'll sing, and they'll sing, and they'll sing, sing, sing. And the more the Grinch thought of this who Christmas sing, the more the Grinch thought, I must stop this whole thing. You know, we often know the story and say, well, it's the Grinch that stole Christmas. But he was really, if you actually watched it and listened and saw, it was much more than Christmas that he was about stealing. In fact, he steals everything in their house. The pictures off the wall and all the food out of their fridge. And so ultimately, it's really not just about Christmas trying to stop the event trying to stop the actual happening of Christmas. Rather, what he wants to steal is what's happening in their hearts at this time. Specifically, the joy that would lead them to sing. Because he has none. Now, while the actual Grinch is not real, what is real is that there are problems and people 
in our life today that are going to try to steal the joy of Christmas from us. Just like a Grinch. But like it is in the story, there is a greater truth in God's word today that we're going to see that there is a joy that can never be stolen. No matter what, no matter who. As we look at this, we think uh, of the first, and hopefully you have your, uh, for those who use your sermon notes, the first is that we can still have Christmas joy through the sad times. You know, let's face it, this is not the hap, happiest time of year for everyone. It's not something they're feeling. Maybe they don't say it to you. But there are a variety of things that are happening. There are a variety of things that have happened even within this year that drag us down. Often things that we have no control over. And we wonder how could we possibly be glad when things are so sad, especially at Christmas. At Christmas, and, and that's a time it's supposed to be nothing but joyful, joyful. But is that true? If we take a closer look at that first Christmas, we will find, just like in our own lives, that there were things to be glad about that first Christmas, but there were also things to be sad about. It is not the idealized storybook Christmas that we think that we have to have or to experience to get joy. And as we take a closer look at the real Christmas story, it's not one about some sweet little baby with no problems nearly in some kind of fairy tale like story that we tell ourselves each year. The real-life Bible story of Christmas was filled with things that were not perfect. And yet there was still joy. Beginning uh, in Luke, we read in Luke, but as you think of verse 26 and what takes place, I mean, here's some glad stuff happening. Tidings that, you know, Mary, you're going to have a baby. I mean, there's some joy, you know. Most of the time people hear that, you know, we've got... Joy, you know, in our family, we have we already have one grandchild that we found out about, and now the grandchild's ride, another one's supposed to come right before Christmas, and there's a lot of joy with that. Mary surely had a lot of joy with that, especially in her day and age when, uh, in many ways, uh, a woman was defined by whether she had a child or not. It was an important thing. And so this was glad news, glad tidings, so to speak, but not just having a child, but that she was chosen by God for this high honor of the Christ, the Messiah. I mean, it, it, it's, the, it's just a wonderful thing. It's amazing. And yet this big wow that happened didn't take long to turn into a great woe upon her. As... Not just being sad about what everybody's opinion might be uh, behind her back of her questionable situation. But what about the one that she cared about? The one that she was about to marry, Joseph. In Matthew chapter 1, in verse 18, 
This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Can you recognize the sadness that this young woman might be feeling in that moment? I've got this great glad news. The one I'm about to finish out this whole marriage thing with is going to end it. And really, if she really cared about Joseph, it wouldn't just be a sad about her own life. If she really cared about Joseph, she would be sad for him. Well, how he's thinking about her right now. And not just how he's thinking about her, but how Joseph must be feeling. All his plans, all his dreams were in this marriage. It was to come. And now it's done. We don't know for sure exactly how he might have been feeling, but I think we can have somewhat of a clue to think that it says he put in his mind to divorce her quietly. He put in her mind not to make a big scene. In other words, he wasn't all mad and looking for vengeance. But he probably was all sad. And what went on here? Things do not always go as we plan, especially at Christmas. Unexpected things happen, and they are not always happy things. And sometimes our sorrow is over even those that we care about the most. But in all of this, we should not let the Grinch, or whatever happens, so to speak, steal our joy not let the sadness, because Mary was still able to have a joy in the Lord in spite of all this, because even though she had to deal with the sad, with the glad, her heart was in the right place. And she didn't have some freak out session. We don't read about her freaking out about all of this. Instead, it was just a faith out session of trusting in the Lord. Sad things are a part of life and they were a part of that first Christmas story. I know it's hard to imagine that we can be both sad and glad at the same time, at least for some, for others of you, you know, you've been there, you've experienced that. But the reality is that when you know the joy of Jesus, if you truly have that joy of Jesus, it is so deep within your soul that no matter what wounds you might experience they will never cut so deep as to reach that joy that is in Jesus the real joy in him and I'm reminded as I think about this of an old hymn Christmas Carol O come O come Emmanuel you've probably heard of Some of you may have heard of that. Remember this? And it's important, not just to put the, uh, even though my voice is a little raspy today, it's important not just to think of the song, but if you don't know the tune, think of the tune. You can sing with me. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. 
and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God to hear kind of a, it's a mournful tune That whole tune doesn't lead you to think of joy. Now, if you know the song, you know I stopped. There's more to it. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to Israel. Rejoice, Rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. You know, the tune didn't change, but the words did. The tune didn't change, but the words did. The words, the beginning there were that mourns and lonely exile mourning. In fact, in the other verses, the first part, you know, come and cheer our spirits by that advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. Or the next verse, and ransom captive Israel that mourns and lonely exile. You think about this whole thing of what's going on. Yes, the tune might be sad, but the message is glad. And sometimes that's the way it is. It was that way that first Christmas for Joseph and Mary. And sometimes even in this Christmas, it may be for us that our tune may be sad, but deep within our hearts, the real message that we have is glad. It's a joy that we can have. We can still have Christmas joy through the sad times and rejoice. Rejoice in the joy of Christ the Messiah, the, in the one who is spoken of in Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Not just that Jesus came to take our sins, to carry our sins, but to carry our sorrows. And in so doing, find the joy. But that's not the only thing that experience that we can still have Christmas joy through the bad times. Not just the sad times, but the bad times. You know, as we talk about that, even in the first point, we can say, oh, sorry, you're going to have a Merry Christmas now. So you've heard that, so you're going to have a Merry Christmas. And a lot of people are like, whoa. I'd like, I mean, I, I'm, yeah, uh, I'm hoping so. Yeah, I... I should, I'm planning on having a merry, I mean, I'll kind of wait and see. I'm, I'm hoping I'm going to have a merry, but I, I'll try. Okay? I'll try to have a merry Christmas. But you know what? Life doesn't always go so good, and so I don't know if I'll be able to do it. And we determine whether we're going to have a good Christmas based on whether life is going good. Or even way, whether our celebration of Christmas is going good. Listen, that very first Christmas was not exempt from bad things happening for Mary and Joseph. 
Look at Luke chapter 2 in verse 1. I mean, obviously, a Christmas story is one about good news, but the whole story is we read what took place there. In chapter 2, Luke, <clears throat> in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria and everyone went to his own town to register. And so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. All right, so you begin in verse 1 about this decree from higher up that census has to be taken, and everybody has to go to their hometown, uh, in the sense their family's hometown. This was not good news. I mean, they, you know, it, it could be said that maybe things are, you know, they, Mary and Joseph worked it out and they were not sad and things were going good, but then all along comes this. All right, we got to go. I mean, we know even in our day it's not always the safest and best thing late in a pregnancy to be traveling. We just had to deal with this with the, <clears throat> our daughter eight months pregnant and going to Ohio for Thanksgiving where we always go uh, and she came back with us which meant the trip was much longer uh, not just because we had to stop to go to the bathroom but you had to stop to make sure that she would walk and and there would be no blood clots or anything like that no problems with the baby I mean it was just it was very important as far as it, it, it dealt with all that Concern for mother and baby. Now, I suppose one thing we could say about Mary and having to go to Bethlehem with all this is that she probably didn't have to worry about blood clots in her legs from sitting too long because she probably walked. Although, that's not always good because walking does tend to help the baby to come a little sooner sometimes. Uh, so, okay, walking. And, and, and somebody's out there thinking, what do you mean she walked? Haven't you seen all the pictures and watched the movies, Pastor? Where have you been living, under a rock? I said, no, I've been living under the Word of God. And there is nothing in the Word of God that says anything about a donkey. At least not with Mary riding it and getting there. In fact, Joseph's job was not... One in general that paid a whole lot of money and was unlikely that they even had a donkey. Now we don't know. It doesn't tell us. But when we start adding things and we start making our Christmas story based on the Christmas cards that we have rather than on the word of God, it becomes a little bit of a mix up. This was bad that they had to go to Bethlehem. This late in the pregnancy. You know, it wasn't just bad because of Mary, but it was bad because of what happened with Joseph. Because what did that mean in those days? He had to leave, take the time, the all the time that it would take, especially with Mary, to get there. 
this get there and then still go through all the government. I mean, you think about our government and working through things and think about all the government working through and everything it had to do and then come back. Guess what? He gets doesn't earn any money in all that time. There's a baby about to come and he is now out of work. In fact, long enough that he probably is losing work because of this whole trip. This is bad. At Christmas, the first Christmas, so to speak. And yet it was still a merry Christmas and a sense of joy. Because all these complicated problems, you know, that we know, if, if that wasn't bad enough, okay, we read later in verse 6 there, I read later in verse 6, six that, you know, she had her firstborn, a son wrapped in cloths, placed in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Uh, she had the baby there, which meant she wasn't back home. She wasn't surrounded by those who actually cared about her and were there. She wasn't with whoever was going to be a midwife or whatever it is to help deliver the baby that, you know, you know, you don't know who this person or how or who, if there is going to be somebody, is there somebody, how, what's going to happen with all that, with the delivery? It, it's not the way you pictured the birth of your firstborn, surely. This was, black, this was a bad thing. And yet she did not lose the joy. If that wasn't enough, you think about going from bad to worse. It was not just in a town that was not where you were from and know anybody, but there was, a, there was no room. I mean, there's no place for them to stay, to sleep, let alone for a pregnant woman to get off her feet and to rest. Can you imagine the stress that is happening right about this point as she's entering to that town that could be happening? And how many of us would see that as bad and not glad? And then, uh, Joseph, it's time. And Joseph's like, yeah, I know, we need to get some rest. No, it's time. You got to get someplace here. This guy offers them their his stable, so to speak. Not only is that probably not the way you pictured the birth of your first child was going to go, but after the angel Gabriel came to you and announced this amazing thing that was going to happen to you that was from God, now you're going someplace far away. You just had to walk in. You're going to have a baby in a manger. This is not... Good. At least by our definition of circumstances and situations. But that doesn't mean that joy went away. Because her trust in God did not go away. Because this was something that was planned from the very beginning of the world. And whatever may seem bad can sometimes be for a greater good. We know things aren't going to be perfect. We know that, at least some of us, know that we should not expect heaven's going to happen here on earth. 
I mean, that everything's just going to be so perfect and God's going to just say, well, God's going to do this and God's going to do this. Nobody's going to be sick and nobody's going to be, you know what? There's a difference between this earth and heaven. We're not there yet. Except there's some people that think there should be just a little bit of heaven at Christmas time. You know, we get a little piece of it. You know, there, there's some this romanticized kind of thinking uh, that if we are honest with ourselves, that we think we get this little break at Christmas time to get mini heaven. That nothing sad, nothing bad will happen and it will just be a merry Christmas. But that only happens in the movies. In real life, in the Bible, and what it's talking about, they experienced the sad here. They experienced the bad. And has still had a Merry Christmas. You know, things will be sad and be of, uh, things will be sad and, and can be bad and yet still have good cheer, rejoice, have joy. It's not based on whether things are going good. It's based on God. And some people will think, okay, so what you're saying is we just kind of need to get with the Christmas spirit and be happy and and don't worry. And no, again, you're going to some song here. You know, uh, this is not about that. This is not just this morning talking about trying to see the flip side of whatever the bad is. I mean, obviously, it's helpful to be positive in the sense that we are being hopeful in Christ. But sometimes the flip side of the bad is worse. It's just reality. But that doesn't mean you have to let it steal your joy. Uh, The next is to recognize that we can still have Christmas joy even through the mad times. And think of that Grinch, whatever the reason his heart to shoes, he stood there on Christmas Eve, hating the Who's, staring down from his cave with a sour, grinchy frown as the warm, lighted windows below in their town. There are people in our lives that probably we could think of as, uh, you know, I, and, and you probably haven't done this, but maybe now you, you might think it, and I don't want you thinking this, but there might be some people that you just want to say, you're a mean one. Mr. Grinch, right? Don't you want to say that? You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. I know somebody like that. And those people, we let steal our joy, and yet that first Christmas there was something so, someone so much worse than any Grinch character in Herod the Great. Who was out, not just to steal Christmas, but to kill Christ. That's what they had to deal with that first Christmas, and yet they still had joy. It didn't steal that. Even as they had to quickly leave and... uh, not take time, a whole lot of time, just to, to think through that this morning, but th- that whole part of there are things that are just 
not just someone that's mad, but a madness that is going on. And yet God still worked and moved in that, gave them a warning. They got out. There are problems in people that may feel like are trying to steal our joy. And we need to keep in mind that the battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not those people. It's not about the Grinch. It's not them. We get our focus off of that. Ultimately, there is someone far worse than any Grinch, than even any Herod, and that is Satan himself, who while he may not have started the sad, bad, or mad problems, he wants to finish them. He wants to put his finishing touches on on whatever is going on and make it heavier, make it harder, dragging us down, whatever is happening. And just like with the original Grinch story, it wasn't over when he thought it was over, when he thought he had stolen everything, including their joy. As 10,000 feet up uh, Mount Crumpet, he rode with his load to the tip-top to dump it, poo to the who's he was grinchily humming. They're finding out that no Christmas is coming. They're just waking up. I know what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open a minute or two, and the who's in Whoville will all cry boo-hoo. That's a noise, a Grinch grinned the Grinch that I simply must hear. He paused and the Grinch put his hand to his ear and he did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started low, it started to grow, but the sound wasn't sad. Right? We know. But the sound wasn't sad. It was indeed Mary. Very Mary. Now I realize this is just a Dr. Seuss story. But don't you think that as people of God, we should have a reality that is even better than Whoville? That despite whatever has happened to us and all that happened, that we should be able to rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel has come to thee. Maybe Christmas means more, yes. That's what he figured out as we think through this. How do we keep our joy from being stolen through all of this? By keeping our focus on Jesus, who is there through it all. There's a sense that no matter what happens, we can still be happy in Jesus. That neither the problems or the people or Satan himself can steal the joy of Christmas because it's the joy of Christ in the midst of whatever is happening, whatever is going on. See, here's the thing. God is there with you. He is, as we read in, as we read in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, Emmanuel, God with us. That's what we talk about. That was what that song mentioned that we just sang. Emmanuel, God with us. Not just the God who is there, but the God who has been there as well. The God who has been through the sad, the bad, and the mad times as he walked this earth as he was as a baby, as his parents, all of he's been there, he understands that he, he knows what you're going through and can still bring you through to joy. 
For example, you think about the sad. Emmanuel was there in the midst with Mary. As much as everything happened, we read in Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 to 24, that Joseph turned it around because the angel came to him and spoke with him. God was working it all together. But that didn't mean that there wasn't some times of sadness. But gladness came in the midst of all this. They were able to find joy. Think about the bad in the story. Well, often uh, we don't think about it. Just, oftentimes we just expect, especially at Christmas for some reason, that things are going to go our way. And sometimes we say we just need to look for the good. And that's, that's okay. But what I would say to you today is we need to look for God. Not just the good. We need to look for God. No matter whether it's good or bad. To look for Him. It's not about what's happening that's going to make it the hap- happiest time of year. In fact, that first Christmas, the eyes that were looking uh, really for God could see in these bad things, God things that he was doing. That whole census decree thing. They didn't realize it. They would never know. And having to deal with this, what seemed bad, and yet it was something that fit with the plan of God that he had done since the creation of the world, that that is where the Messiah was to be born, that fulfilling prophecy. Now we could say, okay, yeah, I can see how that kind of fits with the plan, and God had it, and they had to go there, but that doesn't make it less bad for Mary and Joseph because they still had to do that. Well, there's more. I suppose we could argue, we think about the bad news and not finding a place to stay. Instead, they had to stay in a stable, so to speak. And and I'm sure many of you mothers have dreamed about having a baby with animals all around you uh, and being able to put your baby in a feeding trough. Oh, I just, you know, are you ready for the baby? You know, they're asking our our daughter and daughter-in-law, are you ready for the baby? You know, got the room all together? I got my feeding trough. You know, that's not a conversation that's going to take place. And you wouldn't think of this, and think of the real life story as some great burden that is upon them. And yet, in many ways, this thing that seems bad, that seems a burden, was a blessing. But we're so focused on what we see right in front of us that we don't have a place. And now we've got to go over here and the whole, uh, put it in the, feeding trough or a, a manger, we see that as, as, as something bad. We don't realize that if what we wanted was to go up to that inn, so to speak, and he would have said, oh yeah, I got a room, come on in. I got room for you. You see, at that time, the census and everybody coming is, uh, is not just where you were born, it's where your whole family was uh, uh, from, so to speak. And so that little, little town would have been flooded with people staying with relatives, staying here, staying there. Uh, an inn, so to speak, was not like Motel 8 or 6 or even Motel 1. Okay? It's not like if he would have said, oh, I got some room, that they were going to be taken in and given their own private room like we expect today. They would have been coming in, and if there was even a room, they would have been sharing a room with multiple people. 
Although by that time they got there, because it wasn't exactly probably something they were moving very fast with Mary, by the time they would have gotten there, if there was room, it would have been on the floor in the main room, shoulder to shoulder next to somebody else. Now there is a wonderful place to have a baby. Private and practical. No. If, if the bad thing wouldn't happen and the good thing that we wouldn't happen just to have some room there, that would not have been good. That it, it would have been good. It would not have been the best. But sometimes these bad things that we see end up turning out for something that is best. And not just for that, as we think about that whole sense of, okay, now there is a place where she could have that baby, where it would be practical, where it would be private. But even beyond that, what happens, we know, and I'm going to take the time to to turn there right now, but Luke chapter 2, we know about the angels and what they say and the joy, and they announce to the shepherds, right? And the shepherds are like, whoa, this thing, uh, we got to see this thing. we got to see how real this is. we got to, what's going on? We want to see this child. Now, if the good thing had happened and they were in some place, they found a room someplace, how would the shepherds ever find them? You got all Bethlehem, it's late at night, you're going to knock on every door. Hey, is there a baby here? Uh, it would not have been exactly easy. But how did the shepherds find the baby that night? There was a sign. And what was the sign? For those of you who know the Bible story, and this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and placed in a manger, a feeding trough. Now, I don't know how brilliant the shepherds were, but nobody is that bad to not be able to figure out, okay, there's a baby in a feeding trough. That must be the one. It's pretty easy. That's a pretty good sign. There's no chance that they're going to miss it. And it's not like they have to open any doors. We can be glad because God is there. God has already been there. God is with you through the bad, through the sad, through the mad, whatever it is. And He is working. Whether we see it or not, whether we get it or not, He's there in our lives, in our Christmas time. He can turn that which seems bad out to the best. I've heard numerous times, even since I've been here, uh, throughout being a pastor of somebody who had some sickness that came upon them, and and it was just at a bad time. There was important things going on family or work, and, and they had to, to go and deal with this sickness. They not just go and deal with it, they had to get tests. In fact, not just that, it, it sent them to the hospital. I was like, oh. This is, I'm never sick. This is ridiculous. Why do I have to deal with this? This is a bad thing. And they get there. Doctors do all their tests and all the things and come back and say, well, you know that thing that got you in here, the hospital? It's not a big deal. I don't, you, just, you just had the flu. Yeah, that's all it was. You just had the flu. Although, while you were here in that one test that we did, we found out that you have cancer starting inside of you in, in, in a lymph node. 
But it's very small and it is caught. I, I mean, it's unbelievable how early we caught this. And so, you know, it might be something we can just treat with the, uh, a drug here. It might just be a little operation. We take that lymph node out and we're done and it's good. It's a miracle that you found this because if you hadn't the kind of cancer that this is would have just taken over and you wouldn't have known it and you would be dead in six months. But I never go to the doctor. I never get tests. I never. And this bad thing that came along became something that was for the best. Rejoice. Rejoice. Do not let things steal our joy because Jesus is our joy. I I was finish up with this and we we started the year about fighting for joy and we're kind of finishing the year fighting for joy and one of the songs we started the year with was the the song the old church choir how many of you remember it from there nothing's going to steal my joy I showed a video so we're going to do that kind of as our our closing uh song as we think through this nothing's going to steal our joy and if today you need to, even as we sing the song, I know it's upbeat. Uh, if you need to lace not just something down at the altar saying, God, here's something bad, here's something sad, here's something mad. I need to let go to you. But maybe really what happens is not that we lay that stuff down, but that we look up and see him. That we see him in the midst of all of this. Don't let anything. See the joy that is Jesus. Father, thank you for this. Speak. Move in us that as we are tested and tried in this time, that nothing will steal the joy that is you, Jesus, in us. Pour it out. Build it up. Grow within us. Your joy. In your name we pray. Let's.